mic on? Is it is it picking up? One, two, testing. Is that better? All right. You were probably hoping it wouldn't come on, but too bad. They got it working. I know uh, Richard and Penny. Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8 while you're turning to the book of Acts, the 8th chapter. <clears throat> I know the Richard and Penny appreciate your prayers for their son, uh, Cody, that had surgery on his elbow this week. And the surgery went well. Just pray that they'll continue to uh, heal and be no complications. It's good to see Dave Cash here. Dave was back last Sunday from having shoulder surgery. And uh, uh, I didn't mention it, and he got mad at me. No, he did, and I'm just joking, Dave. <laughs> uh, uh-oh, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> now that's why I didn't say anything last Sunday. I knew he'd take over. You know how some people you just gotta. But said, Dave, I'm glad you're doing all right. And I know he appreciates the continued prayers for him and so many others. When we come together like this, we could just go on. But thank God for a church family that's thinking of one another, praying for one another. And all. If you have your Bibles open to Acts chapter 8, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to begin reading with verse 26, and you find one of the clearest illustrations in the Bible here stories, and these aren't just stories, they're real historical events that we believe God has preserved for us in the Bible. The theme of the bulletin this morning is it's harvest time. And we're talking about harvesting souls. People still need the Lord, amen? And there's still so many people in Sturge Draft and Augusta County in Virginia and across the world that still need to be saved and harvested for Christ. And sometimes we call it evangelism, we call it witnessing, we call it soul winning. But uh, folk are saved one at a time by trusting Jesus Christ. And one of the we find here in Acts chapter 8, one, not the only one, but one of the clearest stories in the Bible of what it means to be a one-on-one witness. Uh, a saint, a child of God by the name of Philip, showing another man how to be saved. Isn't that wonderful? Let's read about it. <clears throat> if you have your Bible open to Acts chapter 8, and I'll begin reading with verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. <clears throat> and he arose and went. <coughs> and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all of her treasure and had come to Jerusalem to worship was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran hither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. 
The place of the scriptures which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went both down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Holy Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he, the eunuch, went on his way rejoicing. And Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Let's have prayer together, and would you join me as we ask the Lord to use this passage of Scripture to apply to our lives today to help us learn something from it. Father, today we thank you again for another opportunity to be in the house of the Lord, and Lord, we've already lifted our hearts in worship and praise, and Lord, we believe our hearts have already been ministered to through the music, singing, fellowship. But now, God, we believe that you have led us to this passage of Scripture, this chapter today. Give us clarity of mind. Help us to leave unsaid anything that doesn't need to be said. And God, just help us to concentrate on your word for these few minutes. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope all of us realize that we are in the midst of a spiritual warfare. Amen. The Bible teaches us in Romans chapter 6 that uh, teaches us there's a passage there about putting on gospel armor, <clears throat> reminding us that we're not in a war and a conflict with flesh and blood, although we deal with people in all kinds of relationships in life. But there's a spiritual conflict going on. There's a spiritual warfare taking place. And when it comes to soul winning, there's a spiritual warfare going on for the souls of mankind, amen. Every individual, every soul is precious because every soul is going to spend eternity in one of two places, according to the Bible, if you believe the Bible, and that's heaven and hell. I believe God in His mercy and grace is doing everything He can to reach every soul and get the gospel out. The devil's doing everything he can to send every soul to hell that's possible. Not that he gives a rip about you and I, it's a black eye to Jesus Christ. Do we or do we not believe that we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare and a spiritual conflict? I thought it was interesting right in this very chapter where we just read one of the clearest examples in the Bible of one-on-one -on -one witnessing how this chapter actually begins here in Acts chapter 8 beginning with verse 1. It begins by reminding us that and when we open our Bibles up to Acts chapter 8, we go back 2,000 years roughly in history to that first generation of Christians. 
And folks, they were suffering persecution, were they not? As a matter of fact, look at Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. And Saul, that's Saul of Tarsus, who we know as the Apostle Paul after he got saved, and Saul was consenting with Stephen's death. And at that time, there was, and I circled this in my Bible, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout all the regions of Judea and Samaria, that is, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and, and made great lamentation over him. And as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every home and hailing men and, and women, committing them to prison. <laughs> Would, no wonder it says there in verse 1, there was great persecution which led to great lamentation and heartache. And it's hard for some of us here this morning to even identify with that, isn't it? And you know what? You would think, you would think, here was the very beginning of what we know as Christianity now. Now, by the way, the spiritual warfare and conflict goes way back. To, it started at the Garden of Eden. But as far as Christianity is concerned, it's all here. And in the very beginning, and you would think with this kind of severe persecution, well, man, Christianity would have just been squashed and the world would have gotten rid of the name of Jesus and the message of the gospel. <laughs> but look what happened. Verse 4 says, Therefore they were scattered abroad as a result of this great persecution and they went everywhere. And what's the next word? I circled it. Preaching or sharing the word or the message of the gospel. And Philip Verse 5, he went down to the city of Samaria, and here he is preaching and sharing Christ unto them. And verse 6 says, The people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out. Well, here's a picture of a spiritual conflict, isn't it? The work of the Holy Spirit and the work of demonic spirits at odds with each other. And it says, For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies and were lame were healed. And watch verse 8, And there was great joy in that city. Have you picked up on that word great? Great persecution, great sorrow and heartache, great preaching of the gospel, and great rejoicing. What a contrast between demonic activity and divine activity. Wow, that was 2,000 years ago. Is it still going on in the world today? You know, just yesterday morning, we had about 15 men over here for a men's prayer breakfast. And one of the men was praying for the persecuted Christians in our world today. And some of our men with tears in their eyes and lumps in their... Yesterday morning, while we were sitting there in our comfort, we'd just eaten. Here we are today in all this comfort. And yet, did you know, in, and we could start naming place after place after place after place where great persecution and suffering is taking place right now. But here's what's amazing. You would think it would just squash out Christianity. But you know what's happening? The results we're hearing is the church of Jesus Christ is having revival in those places. And there's evangelism explosion in the underground church and things like that. Why? Because it's true, the blood of the martyr is the seed of the church. And I say this with 
sincere thought in my mind and heart, I wonder sometimes if the greatest need of the church in America today is great persecution. And I say that with fear and trembling because sometimes I wonder what is it going to take to revive us here in America and to have an explosion of evangelism in getting the lost for Jesus Christ. Wow! And it's ha- listen, what we're reading about here in Acts chapter 8 didn't just happen a thousand years ago. It's happening today in parts of the world. Do we realize that? We're in the midst of a spiritual warfare and a spiritual conflict. And then what's interesting, in verse 9 of this chapter, there's another story about a man by the name of of Simon who was deceived, demonic deception. Let me read a few of these verses. Look at verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that he was some great one to whom they also gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, this man has the great power of God. But you know what? They were deceived. He didn't have the great power of God. He was demon-possessed. I mentioned this in Sunday school this morning. I hope you don't believe everything you see on Facebook, the Internet, social media, and you don't immediately believe and swallow everything you hear every so-called preacher and evangelist teaching on the internet and so forth. Amen? I remember two guys met one time, and one guy said, Hey, man, we're having a revival at our church. We're literally raising the dead and casting out the devil. And the other fellow said, Well, we're doing just the opposite at our church. We're raising the devil and casting out the deadheads. Amen. So I don't know, from one extreme to the other. Folk, listen, there's all kind of confusion and chaos out there today, isn't there? There is. And here Peter and, and Philip's preaching the gospel and Peter and John come down from Jerusalem to Samaria. And this guy gets, this Simon gets in the group and he says, hey man, he got, gets all caught up in it. But there's no sign of repentance, no talking about sin. As a matter of fact, we don't have time to read all the verses. You get down to verses 24 and 25 and John and Peter looks at this guy and says, listen, man, you have no party. You're not a born again Christian. And you know what? All he's concerned about is the consequences. He says, Peter, would you pray for me that this one... He doesn't say anything. All he's worried about is the consequences, the mess he's in. Not a word about his sin or repentance. I'm simply trying to remind us today, listen, we're, we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare conflict. Now, we've got it so good. We may not be seeing the kind of persecution that some parts of the world, but we need to be reminded... There's great persecution. And by the way, we're beginning to see the tip of the iceberg in America. Amen? And maybe it's exactly what we need. And there's so much spiritual deception out there. Oh, how we need the Holy Spirit of God to give us spiritual discernment in these times in which we're living. Can you say amen to that? Now let's go to the story that I want to take you to. And let me share with you three things that we need that are so very important in the world in which we live. It would be great to see all 8 billion people on this planet today come to really know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But you know what? They'll get saved one at a time. One at a time. It's an individual matter. Amen? Just like the Ethiopian eunuch got saved. What do we need? First of all, number one, we need to be sensitive and obedient 
to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. It's what we've called in the past in connection with soul winning and witnessing, learning how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can nudge our hearts and burden our... We, generally speaking, we can be concerned about everybody. But God will bring people into your life. God will lead you to certain individuals just like he led Philip. By the way, to leave, to leave a, basically a citywide revival going on in Samaria. Wow! And said, Philip, I want you to leave all that and go down to the desert. Now, if that had been me, I would have thought, Lord, that doesn't make sense to me. But you know what? Philip was sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and he obeyed, and he went. The Bible tells us there in Acts chapter 8, in verse 29, that the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near that Ethiopian eunuch and join thyself to his chariot. Now you say, has God ever spoken to you? By the way, somebody sent me a text the other day and said, uh, uh, said, has has God ever spoken to you? said, yes, every time I read my Bible, uh, God speaks to me. Has God ever spoken to you audibly? I said, well, every time I read my Bible out loud, God's speaking to me audibly. Amen. So I thought that was a pretty good text. I appreciate that. But listen, what, what the Holy Spirit of God did to Philip is the same thing when all of a sudden something nudges your heart. Share your testimony with that person. Give them a gospel tract. Invite them to church so they can hear the gospel. Now, you know that's not demonic power. That's not Satan. I'll tell you where Satan comes in. Well, I wouldn't hand him that piece of gospel literature. It may make him mad. I don't know. All of a sudden, you're in this battle. You're trying, well, well you know, I don't want to offend somebody. Now, there's, there's the battle. There's the warfare. There's the conflict that's going on, right? You see, we need to be sensitive. And not just in getting the lost saved, but in the teaching and preaching and all that's going on under the umbrella of Christianity today. Oh, do we need spiritual discernment? Do we need to be sensitive and obedient to the feeling and leading of God's Holy Spirit? Number two, real quick, we need a clear understanding of the Scriptures. We just need to get back to the Bible, amen? We just need to get back to the Word of God. Isn't it amazing? Here's an Ethiopian eunuch. And, and I understand that's not what we think of as Ethiopia today. He was, uh, had a pretty high position under the queen of Ethiopia. And there could have been a caravan of people here. So it's not just like there was this guy and Philip. There could have been, we don't know how many people were listening to this. And by the way, this guy got saved. And how, we, we'll never know this side of heaven how God used this man. And anybody else that got saved in that group, once they got back home to Ethiopia. And so God works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? But here, he's, he's been to Jerusalem. He's got religion. There's something in his heart searching for the truth of God. And by the way, you can be religious and be in church on Sunday morning and die and go to hell if you've never repented of your sin and trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen? And so God loved this man just like he loves you. He loved him so much that he took Philip, the evangelist, out of a citywide revival and sent him down, sent him down to the desert to witness to this Ethiopian eunuch. And look what he says. And here's this guy. Now, was this just an accident? There's the providence of God. He's riding along in his chariot, and he's reading the Bible. And he's reading Isaiah 53. And Philip asked him a question in verse 30. By the way, look what happened. Philip, in verse 30, it says, Philip, and what's the next word? Ran. 
I said, let's be sensitive and obedient when the Holy Spirit nudges our heart. He didn't stand there and argue for 15 minutes. Philip ran hither to him, and, and he listened. He took an interest, and he heard him, and then he took the initiative, and he said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the Scripture which he read, and there he's reading from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And Lord willing, we'll turn to that in just a minute, but hang on. So here he needed someone, and God works through people, doesn't he? And God can use, none of us know it all, we're all learning and growing, but God can use you and me. Whether it's one-on-one, whether it's a group of people like this this morning, to be able to take the Word of God and study together, and the Holy Spirit of God can help us understand the Scriptures. And then notice the third thing we need today, and that's a personal faith in Jesus Christ as Savior. Notice what it says in verse 35. Then he, he started explaining the Scripture, and this eunuch asked Philip a question in verse 34. He said, who's this prophet talking about? Somebody's doing an awful lot of suffering. Is this prophet talking about himself? Isaiah? And Philip said, who's he talking about? And verse 35 says, Philip opened his mouth and began. This is amazing. He didn't even have the Romans robe to lead this guy to Christ with. (laughs) He used the Old Testament scriptures of Isaiah 53. And he preached unto him who? Jesus. Jesus. Wow. So, by the way, you know some people are still arguing and debating over who Isaiah 53 is talking about. I think this clarifies it, doesn't it? (laughs) Philip said he preached unto him Jesus. Three things we need today in the midst of all this spiritual struggle and conflict and warfare. And we need to be reminded at times where, you know, thank God for the hot dogs and fall family festivals and good times of sweet fellowship, but we're in the midst of a spiritual warfare. And the souls of men and women, boys and girls are at stake, and they need the Lord. We need to be sensitive and obedient to the nudgings of the Holy Spirit. You believe that? We need an understanding of the Word of God and spiritual discernment. (laughs) Folks, there's a lot of charlatans out there. There's all kinds of teaching going on under the umbrella of Christianity. And it all can't be right. And I jokingly tell you, you know, naturally I think I'm always right. and You have a right to be wrong. But folks, we want to be as right with the Word of God. as we. And there's just so much out there that's not lining up with the Word of God. We need spiritual discernment. We need an understanding of the Scriptures. And we need to make sure we have a personal faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Now, would you turn back with me? We have a few minutes left to the book of Isaiah. And let's look at that scripture. Now, this is just amazing. I open my Bible to Acts chapter 8. Now, you turn to Isaiah 53. And, 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 and I go back 2,000 years in history. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a long time. 2,000 years. I don't have that many toes and fingers. And I read the story of a man who's riding along through the desert in a chair. He didn't have a Honda or anything to ride in those days. And he's reading Scripture. 
He doesn't have a book like this. He's probably got a big scroll out there. And what's he reading? I can open my Bible today and I can read the same thing that man was reading 2,000 years ago. Here we are 2,000 years later. Do you believe that? Boy, that's the goodness of God, isn't it? That's the grace of God. What was he reading? Look at You got your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 53? Now we're going to have to hurry. Here, I'm going to read down through here. And here's what I want you to look for. Now, don't worry about counting them. But I myself counted at least 13 phrases in Isaiah 53, and there's only 12 verses. I counted at least 13 phrases, which is implying that Jesus, yes, he's suffering, and he's suffering tremendously. But he's suffering for others. It's called the vicarious or substitutionary sufferings of Jesus Christ. Well, who was he suffering for? He was suffering for you and me and every other person who's willing to trust him. Now watch for that. Look at these verses. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It's almost like Isaiah said, you know, it's too good to be true. I mean, who's going to believe it? Now, we've often said, when man tells you something that's too good to be true, what should you be smart enough to do? Doubt it. When, when man offers you a deal that's too, just too good to be true, 99% of the time, you better check it out, amen? But when God tells you something that sounds too good to be true, then you can take him at his word for it. Wow, wow, this must be some important message. What is it? Verse 2, For he, that is the Messiah, Jesus, shall grow up before the Father as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. And he hath, from the world's viewpoint, he'll have no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. Now that's not saying that Jesus was ugly or wasn't handsome. It's just saying from the standards of this world, he sure didn't come on the scene as a glorified Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. But watch verse 3. He is despised and rejected of men. Now Isaiah's prophesying to the future. We're looking back. It happened just like Isaiah said, didn't it? He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And by the way, if you study those words, that, that doesn't mean he just had a toothache or a headache. These are strong Hebrew words which implies agony and suffering inwardly, outwardly. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected a man, a man, a man of sorrows and, acqu and, and, and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Watch verse 4. Surely, surely he hath borne... What's the next word? Whose griefs? I put your name there. Change it to my. He hath borne my. Frank Hall, put your name there. He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. We said, well, God... God smote him. God must have not been pleased with him. Oh, no, just the opposite. God was so pleased with Christ that he was willing to accept him as a sacrifice for your sins and for mine. Verse 5 says he was wounded for, put your name there, 
our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison. This has to do with his trial or his so-called trials. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. And for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death because he had done no violence and neither was any deceit found in his mouth. The sinless one suffering as a sin offering, as a sacrifice for you and me. And verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Study that word bruise there. It means to crush. The picture there is grapes been crushed in a wine press. Please the Father to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. But it didn't stop there. Easter Sunday came. Resurrection morning came. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. The presence, the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the results of the travail of his soul. He shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. Their salvation. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgression. Somebody said Isaiah 53 is the gospel of the Old Testament. The gospel of the Old Testament. You study those words describing the death, the suffering. Somebody said it's a picture of someone dying a thousand deaths. I believe, and I don't understand this, but I believe that when Jesus Christ died on that cross, Whatever that means when it says his soul was made an offering for sin. He suffered not only physically and emotionally, but spiritually on that cross, I believe Jesus endured something that was equivalent to not just an eternal hell for me, but for you and you and you and you and every person that would ever be born. How could our minds even begin to conceive what all happened there. Wow. And here this Ethiopian eunuch was reading this and said, who in the world is this prophet talking about? And Philip preached unto him Jesus. Folk, people need Jesus today. Amen. Jesus went to that old rugged cross, died there for you and me, was buried, rose again. Hallelujah. We have a living Savior today. Amen. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Now, folk, that, you know, sometimes we as Bible-believing Christians, we're, we're accused of being bigots and narrow-minded and we need to be more open-minded and so forth. Folk, listen, there was only one message Philip had for that Ethiopian eunuch that day and it's still the message for me and you and everybody on this planet. 
And that's the finished work of Jesus Christ. Amen. And God help us individually as a church to get the gospel out across the aisle, across the street, and around the world in the midst of all the spiritual chaos, confusion. Every generation's dealt with it. But aren't you thankful we still have the grace of God, the Holy Spirit, we still have the truth, and we still have the message of the gospel to get out to this lost world. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me this morning? It wasn't religion in Jerusalem that that Ethiopian eunuch needed. He was headed in the right direction. It wasn't religion. It was a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It was the new birth. It was forgiveness of sin. And he found it that day. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, first of all, let me challenge each of us to make sure that you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If not, you can trust him today. And then you pray right now and ask God to give you, help you to be sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. Get into the Word of God and read it and study it and have an understanding of the Scriptures. And realize that this old world today still needs that same old message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is still the answer for sinful man. Father, may the Holy Spirit challenge our hearts, comfort our hearts, convict our hearts, and use your word today to accomplish your will and purposes in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. You've listened very well this morning, and I appreciate that. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you, would you right now just try to put aside all the other thoughts and cares for just a moment? Would you pray for yourself? Would you pray for the people standing around you right now? Only God knows what the needs of our hearts may be at this moment. I'm going to ask the pianist to begin to play softly. And while the pianist playing, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, Christians are praying. Would you just lift your heart and worship and praise to the Lord right now for providing you salvation and forgiveness in Jesus, giving you victory over all the spiritual deception and demonic work that's going on in the world today, even much of it under the umbrella of Christianity. Just lift your heart and praise to the Lord for that. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you let one of our men or one of our ladies pray with you and help you? No obligation to this church. We just want to help you. Just like Philip helped that guy that day. We'll help you if you'll let us. Would you just come down, meet me here at the front, tell me what's on your heart. If you're here today and... There's some other need on your heart, maybe a burden you'd like for someone to pray with you about. Anything at all that we can help you with, would you come right now? And right where you are, just lift your heart to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord, whatever your need may be, and He'll help you. And ask the pianist to play one more verse, and that'll be all. Make decisions that count for time and eternity.
And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen.